Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. I've read a great many books on how small business leaders should conduct their business, but I've read few that are as good as what the book that Cameron Hurd wrote and what he said. So we invited him today on the program, and uh, Cameron, welcome. Appreciate you having me. Well, um, first, as we ask every one of our guests, Cameron, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background personally before we get into anything else. Sure. I, I um, really got known for growing businesses um, about 15 years ago when I was the chief operating officer of a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And as I was building and scaling that business, started doing a lot of speaking events around the world and getting asked by CEOs if I could mentor them and help them. And uh, that's really where my brand started. But I was actually groomed as an entrepreneur. My father really raised me to be an entrepreneur, and um, I got involved at a very young age in a group called College Pro Painters, which really taught me a lot about learning how to operate a, a company. That's where I would credit almost a lot of my earliest stage business skills. Well, um, first, the name of your book, Cameron, before we go any further. Sure. The name of my book is called Double Double, and it's obviously available on Amazon and iTunes and Audible. It's available in uh, hard copy, Kindle, and audio formats. And it really teaches companies how to double their revenue and profit in three years or less. Well, Cameron, tell us some of the the basic principles that you espouse in the book. I found it extremely interesting, and I hope that, um, and I know the audience will. Let's start with some of the basic principles that you believe. Sure. So the first area of real growth starts with alignment and, and the alignment of vision, where we really need to get our employees to see what we as the CEO or entrepreneur can see. So uh, in getting the first area of alignment going, I create a concept that I call a vivid vision, which is a three or four page written description of what the company looks and feels like in the future. And it's really getting that document out to all the employees that creates all the initial alignment in the organization. You say alignment. Please go into a little bit more detail. Uh, It's a three or four page document about where the company should be going. But what are some of the factors that uh, a small business uh, leader should look uh, be considering when he writes that document? So the um, the first area that we get into then after the alignment provision is related to the employees. And it's getting all of the right employees to see where you're going. So the vivid vision 
is a three or four page written description of what the company looks like in the future. Almost as if the CEO went three years into the future and described every aspect of his business in finished detail. You know, you're describing operations, describing marketing, describing IT, and literally leaning out into the future and describing what your company looks like in that finished state so that everyone can see what you as a CEO can see. The second part of it is getting the employees aligned with that and getting the right employees into the organization. Jim Collins, in his book, Good to Great, talks about getting the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and everybody in the right seats. He doesn't really teach you how to do that. So in my book, Double, I try to actually teach companies how to get the right employees into the organization, how to identify the wrong ones, and then how to align them and support them. And that area of alignment is what we talked about. What what do you think um, are the key points in identifying um, the, the employees that you, that you want to share your vision and, and plan? Well, the first part is really understanding what behavioral traits you want inside your organization. And I don't necessarily mean that you want everyone to be the same kind of person. You don't need to have you know everyone being dominant and expressive. You know, it's okay to have a blend of analyticals and amiables and expressives. It's okay to have different personality styles. What you are looking for are the behavior traits and the core values that you want employees to live by. And it's really important to decide what those are in advance and only allow people to come into your interview process who already live those behavioral traits and live those core values that are so dear to you. You would literally fire people if they didn't live them. So starting with that. And then once you have that pool of candidates who live those behavioral traits and core values, then you can start doing the skill assessment interviews to know if they have the skills to do what it is you're hiring them to do. So I like putting in place a scorecard for the job and thinking about the next 12 months, what are the five big things the person has to get done in their job? And then in the interview process, making sure that you've interviewed to know that they have actually done it and have the deep experience at doing what you need them to do versus just the theory or the aptitude to do it. Too often, I think companies go out and hire people that have the, um, the ideas and they have the theory, but they've never done what you need them to do, and you're far better off to hire people that have done it and live the core values that your company needs to live. Okay, you've got the plan. You've started to get employees. What's the ne- next step in in in, in how you uh, you encourage um, uh, your com- company to grow? Well, and it's not even so much the plan at this point because really the vision is only the final product. It's where you're going to be. It's what it looks like in that final stage. Now that you have the employees, they get to put the plan in place to figure out how to make your vision come true. So you're really more aligning the employees with your vision. And then when you have the right people who have done what you need them to do, they'll be able to create, in effect, the blueprints or the plans to make your vision come true. So it is then the strategic planning and strategic thinking process is what you put in place after you have the right people. And then you put in place the meeting rhythms to support the people in their daily in their daily job, meeting rhythms to support strategy, meetings to support um, you know, the, the metrics and KPI reviews, meetings to support employee growth and job training, and you're really giving them the skills and the meeting rhythms to help them stay on track with the plan that they build that's in alignment with the vision that they can all now see. Well, in your experience, what have been some of the uh, obstacles uh, that uh, you've seen for people to um, uh, follow, to follow uh, this plan, follow your, your advice? 
so in my experience, what happens is, is CEOs and entrepreneurs often give themselves excuses and believe their own excuses, and they say that business is difficult. The reality is business is quite simple if they actually just follow the basics. But what they end up doing is making excuses that they're too busy and they get sucked you know, into the email vortex and just doing the busy work and being, you know, working on the trivial many things instead of the critical few things. I've, I rarely find companies that do enough job training and training employees on how to do interviews or how to run meetings or how to do strategy. And they often assume that just because they hire someone, they're going to be good at all aspects of a business. Well, just like if you were sending your kid off to Little League, you spend a lot of time every day and every week teaching them how to throw a ball and catch a ball and hit a ball. You want to do that same training with your employees across all levels of organizations and always giving them more leadership skills and business skills to do their job. I think often companies fail in um, just overcomplicating it or working on the busy work instead of on the high-impact work. So so you're saying, in effect, that concentrate on the... uh the important issues, not the uh, the busy work. Right, not the, not the urgent. And, and we often make excuses, oh, we don't have time for training. Well, you could have someone sitting and listening in on all of your phone calls, and that wouldn't take any of your time whatsoever, and they would learn just by listening to you. You could CC someone on all of your emails, and they would learn how you write and how you think, and that wouldn't take any more time of yours. You could, have, you could video yourself doing things, but people make excuses. And then they just end up complaining that, well, business is really difficult. Business is actually quite simple. So, um, uh, as someone once told me, uh, business isn't difficult if you concentrate on it and remember what your goals are. Um, yeah, and, and too often, like the Cheshire account said, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere it'll take you there. And too often entrepreneurs are either afraid of putting down goals or their goals lack clarity or they don't make the commitment to people that that's where they're going and they and allow themselves the excuses to get off track. This is what I try to cover a lot of in my book, Double Double, as well as just the basic systems for people to follow to make it easier for them to actually grow. Well, how do you obtain clarity? You know, that's an interesting word that has come up recently in several conversations. Uh, As a business leader, how do you obtain clarity? Well, I think most business owners have a pretty good idea in their mind of what their company looks like. They often don't either lean far enough out into the future. They don't lean three years out and ten years out to look at what their company might look like. Um, or they don't take pause enough to to just sit down and write down what they see. But they often have it in their mind. They just don't take the time to write it down. It doesn't really take a whole lot of, in my experience anyway, it doesn't take a whole lot of skill to dream about the future, um, but it just takes a bit more of a commitment to commit to what you're going to do or commit to what it looks like and then asking people to help you make that happen. It's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. If you can see what the box of the jigsaw puzzle looks like, you can figure out where the corners are, you can figure out where the sides are, and then you can build it in from there. Building a company is exactly the same way. Most entrepreneurs, though, won't take enough time to write down what they see their company looking like three years in the future. That concept what I call a vivid vision. Well, someone uh, once said that uh, you could write the, uh, the mission statement of a company on on a napkin. It's following uh, following that napkin that makes uh, makes successful companies. But but you've you've kind of developed a way of doing it. Your book, by the way, uh, I found very fascinating, and I keep it on my desk. Um, uh, and, and the title again of your book. 
Yeah, the title is called Double Double. See, the, the idea that I have with um, with mission statements versus what I call a vivid vision, the mission statement doesn't do anywhere near enough to align employees, customers, and suppliers because it's simply a mashup of 10 of your favorite words into this one supposedly inspiring and aligning sentence. But the sentence doesn't tell enough of the full picture. You know, you can't, in one sentence, you can't explain what IT looks and feels like three years out. You can't explain your meeting rhythms. You can't explain the pulse and the energy of the company. You might be able to explain your core purpose, but you can't explain what your customers are saying and what your employees are saying and what your suppliers are saying and what the media is writing about you. You can't almost as if you were standing in your company three years in the future, look around and describe it in that one sentence. And that's been the real failure of that vivid or that mission statement or vision statement is it was never enough for everyone to see. And then the CEO always walked around saying that they had all this great leadership intuition but it's the reason they have that intuition is they're the only ones who could really see the full movie. It's interesting because, you know, if you go in and ask for money from anybody, they all, all want that 25-word uh, elevator pitch first so they can understand it. But if I hear you correctly and if I read your book correctly, you've got to be much more detailed than that for, for not only your, uh, your business success but also uh, uh, for anyone who wants to invest or, or lend money to it. Am I right on that? Correct. Yeah, correct. So you, you get your kind of, I call it your five-second, ten-second, and your 30-second elevator pitch. Your five-second is really your core purpose. You know, it's what Simon Sinek starts about, um, talk with, or start with why. So it's really your core purpose of why you exist. You know, why I exist as an entrepreneur is to help entrepreneurs and CEOs make their dreams happen. That's why I do what I do. That's my five-second elevator pitch. My 10-second is, is I do that by coaching and doing speaking events and creating books and videos for them to actually learn and their employees to learn from. Well, and then, go into, then my, my hmm. vivid vision is then the much deeper description of then what my company looks like three years in that future. So we're on the same page. You know, that's very interesting. That's what I liked about your book. A lot of the books uh, that I, I get uh, offered uh, talk about how you should do things now, but very few of them talk about w where you want to go. And and that's what I, I loved about your book. Uh, and I have to tell you, uh, uh, I'm trying to follow it t to a certain extent. Uh, thank what thank you. you. Yeah, no, it... Go ahead. Go ahead. You're the guest. Please. Yeah, no, it, I think I think that's the key with this is really understanding where you're going. And if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So then when you can share what that future state looks like and everyone else can see what you can see, then everyone else conspires to help you make that happen. Well, what do you do if you start to find that uh, events are, are pushing you off the track? How do you handle that? Well, it's, you're always looking at the future. You're always making sure that everyone is looking at the future. You're always kind of keeping an eye on where you're going, but then you're always executing on today. So every day that you wake up or every week that something happens that takes you a little bit off track, it just allows you to still go back and revisit where you're going and then course correct along the way. Much like if we were going to drive from Phoenix to Chicago, we would at least know that we're currently in Phoenix we're going to Chicago, and we know that the path we're going to take is along, you know, I-whatevers. Well, and then we get halfway there, and the road is under construction, and we have to take a detour. 
Well, we take a little bit of a detour, but we still know that we're heading to Chicago. And then along the way, we decide, you know what, we really actually want to go and see, you know, our aunt and uncle who live in Nashville. So we go down south a little bit further, and we see them in Nashville, and we make a couple of course corrections, and we drive through the night to get back on track, but we're still heading back to Chicago. So that's really the same as what your vivid vision is. It becomes that aligning force so everyone can see where you're going. Your customers, your suppliers, and your employees can all see where you're going, and then you make corrections along the way. Cameron Hurd is probably one of the most interesting people I know. That was a taped interview we, we did with him. Our next guest is Ernie Fear. If I'm pronouncing the uh, the name correctly, Ernie, are you on the line? I am. How are you tonight? I'm fine, but I want to uh, make sure I pronounce your, your name correctly. It's Ernie. Fira. It's it's like Ira with an F in front of it. Fira. Fira. Your vice president, and general manager, commercial insurance at LexisNexis. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Ernie, we're really glad to have you on the program today. Uh, you followed a very interesting uh, man. Uh, but you're here to talk about a, a subject that I, I think is very important as as we go into a period where we hope we have growth. But as we ask all of our guests first, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into the topic. Sure, uh I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I have a family of three. I actually grew up in the New York City area, spent 40 years of my life, and then moved south uh, to work for a company called LexisNexis. And we're a uh, business-to-business information provider to the commercial insurance industry. So we really provide the information that commercial insurers and, and agents need in order to make underwriting decisions on businesses. Um, and so... I've been with the company for 15 years, and uh, we're in the business of helping uh, the whole insurance process become more efficient through better data and the use of predictive modeling and analytics to help uh, make the whole insurance process more efficient. But you're here tonight to talk about a subject uh, that's near to my heart. How do you, how do you value uh a business that you're either thinking of uh, buying, uh, hooking up with. Uh, Ernie, the floor is now yours. Tell us how to do it. Okay. Well, you know, with the business of insurance, what we're really trying to do is predict what is the future loss propensity of a business and making sure that we charge the, the, the small business owner the correct premium based on what the business is doing, what is their operation. So, you know, the small business world is a very interesting world. A couple of factoids for you. You, know, you, you got 32 million businesses out there. They're, they're very different. And, and the, the lion's share of those businesses are small business. Less, less, let's say less than 500 employees are 99% of the businesses out there. But in the United States, most of those businesses are, have an owner, but no employees. And another fact that we see out there is that 52% of those businesses are home-based. So for us, when we look at an individual business and try to try to assess risk, there's a huge amount of information that's required. And, and we use the data publicly available, but also rely upon the small business owner 
to provide accurate information so that we price the risk and provide the, the appropriate premium to make sure that there is enough coverage should there be a loss. Well, that's what you do. Now, I'm sitting here. I'm a small business. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, well, uh, let's take it in terms of I'm looking at another business to add to mine. Uh, what should I be looking for? Uh, what should I, data should I be asking them for? What are the things you ask them for? Sure, okay. We ask for really specifics on the existing equipment and what is the nature of the operations of that business? What do they do? If the business is out uh, doing roofing, that's going to be a much more riskier proposition whether if they were doing you know, installation of, of rugs. Uh, work, what are your workers and what are, your, what, what are the activities your workers are performing? What is some of the past lost, loss implications of your business? And then what have they done to help control loss in the future? Is there good safety practices in that business? Do they make sure that there's safety training of the employees of those businesses? What is the location of that business? All of those criteria go into, you know, from, from the insurance carrier agent's perspective, an understanding a new small business. And a small business owner that's looking to expand really needs to look at those different perspectives because that will have a bearing on their, their costs when it comes to procuring insurance. Well, okay, let's, let's move a little further. Uh, part of the reason you're here is I want to buy a business. What do I look for? And, and do you look at the fact of the employees, the owners, et cetera? What are some of the things that people should be looking at? Well, I think it's really important to look at the financials of the business and the payment history. So when we look at a, uh, a small business from a lost propensity perspective, we're looking at the commercial credit and the payment activities of that business. Do they pay their bills on a timely basis? Do they, have they had any bankruptcies, liens, or judgments against that business? Uh, information on the owner's past claims history. Have they had a, a large number of claims in the past? These are all uh, data assets and information provided by the business owner when we when we talk to them and look at them from a okay, what would what would be the appropriate premium to be charged? So it's really uh, looking at that operations, the employees the previous coverage that they've had and the financials of the business to really come up and assess what, the, what is the actual risk involved if, if I were to bring this business into my operation or if I were to go out and try to get insurance on that business. Well, let's talk about um, getting insurance. Uh, I'm in, I happen to be involved with a couple of nonprofits as well in my own business. And it seems mm -hmm. that the, the, uh, the what should I be uh, providing the insurance company. I mean, they, uh, what what they've asked for in my business, uh, it's ironic they want more from the nonprofit than they did from the uh, uh, business. But what, are the th uh, what should I be offering them, and what should I not be offering them? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
insurance in itself is a contract between you and the insurance company. And one of the obligations that you have, you know, for the insurance company providing you with coverage is to make sure that you provide complete and accurate information on your business. Because, you know, should there be a claim, if you've not really provided accurate information on the front end, you know, you, you may face denial of a claim. So honest and complete information is essential and part of the agreement that you're making by getting coverage with the insurance company. It's also important that, you know, you're clearly providing what are the operations of what is your business doing? What are your employees involved in, right? Because in that contract with the insurance company, you're obligated to provide that information. You also have an obligation, should there be a claim, to provide timely reporting of that loss. The insurance company wants to help you repair your business and get your business up and running. Running. In return, though, they need you to really make sure that you're reporting the loss and doing anything you can to help mitigate the loss. So let's say there's storm damage to your business. There's an obligation of the small business owner at a point of claim to help mitigate that loss so that it doesn't become worse or what we call in the insurance industry more severe. So, you know, that obligation in that contract outlines the kind of information that you need to provide. And, and just to give you a flavor of the kinds of things that you need to provide, what is your current business plan? What are your, what are your existing employees? What is the previous coverage that you had with the business? the financials of your business. So should your business suffer a loss and we have to provide the ongoing operation of your business and business interruption coverage, it's, it's important that the carrier and the agent that are involved have that information and understand it. So should there be a loss, the insurance company there is to provide you with the information and the services that you need to get your business back up and running. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, – uh, that has been discussed in this program a number of times is make sure all your data is backed up someplace else. Uh, but what if you don't? Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I, w I went to talk to an audience after one of these programs and asked the simple question, how many of you back up your data outside your business? And only uh, the, there were about 100 people in the room, and only about 10 of them said that they backed it out uh, up outside their their business, which I thought was surprising. If, if I don't back back it up, am I liable now as, as an insurance, uh, uh, as someone with insurance? Not if you've provided that information to the carrier or to the agent at the point of underwriting, because once you provide that information, then the carrier and the agent has the obligation to make sure that they're keeping that information. So. Um, uh, that's why I, I drive home the point of, at point of when you're purchasing the policy, make sure that you provide the accurate information to the carrier, and that you know they will. The obligation then on the carrier or the agent's part is then to make sure that uh, they maintain the data that you provide, uh, because that data may need to, and information will probably need to be referred to, should you have a claim, and it will probably be relooked at, um, you know, when your policy is renewed. You know, the other thing that I think is important for the small business owner is to keep the agent or the carrier updated on changes in your business. So let's say, you know, to your earlier question, you bought another business or 
you cha- you bought a new garaging location for your vehicles. That has now changed the risk profile of your business, and you want to make sure that the agent or the carrier, the insurance carrier, are aware of that so that there is pr- appropriate coverage in place should you have a loss. The, you know What you originally insured when you wrote the policy has changed, and you really need to make sure that the carrier and the agent are kept up to date on that. Absolutely, a lot of a lot of people don't. What was I yep. found interesting uh, uh, in this talk? I'm, I, obviously, I'm not an expert in, in your your area, but the, one of the things that I, I found interesting is these the people in the audience did not know that it was important to back it up. So sometimes <laughs> you, uh, it was surprising, but then again, it, yeah. it's the way of the world. You you never mm-hmm. think about it. Uh, here in New Jersey, uh, uh, Hurricane Sandy has uh, played havoc with so many businesses, um, and they're still now, almost five years after the fact, still trying to work out all of the settlements and all of the problems. If a natural mm-hmm. disaster, if a natural disaster uh, like Sandy occurs, what should a business uh, man or woman? do to to show that they've mitigated uh, the damage. You, you yeah. mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with, with, with the proliferation of cell phones and the ability to take pictures, um, you know, just recently my son had a, a car accident. And, you know, of course, you pull out the cell phone, you're taking a picture of the license plate, you're taking – you can take a picture of the VIN number. You can take a picture of the damage on the one vehicle and the second vehicle. But, you know, being able to, when there is the, there, where there are those events, picture of the damage and get that information as quickly as you can to your agent or your carrier because they will give you the advice about how to mitigate the loss. And then if at the actions that you take to mitigate the loss, you know, making sure that, certain product is not left out and cause further damage. You know, doing everything that you can to make the loss not be a greater loss. Any way that you can document those activities through either pictures or being able to, you know, show that you've taken those steps, then helps helps the carrier to understand or the agent understand that you're doing everything that you, you, you really signed up for as part of the policy, signing the policy contract, that you're taking all those activities. So document through pictures share the information, and ask the advice of your carrier or agent as soon as possible because then that, that the carrier will be, of course, will be working with you more to make sure that all the right things are done to minimize the loss, and they'll quickly, you know, work with you to get back to you to, 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 to you know, help get your business up and running and back in operation. You know, times of catastrophe, you know, even in, we're all, we're all, are all very emotional times, Insurance carriers and agents are very stretched at those times. So the better that you can get the information to them and the quicker that you can get the information to the carrier, the small business owner, you know, will benefit. Um, Ernie, you're on this program to uh, share information. What is the information you'd love our audience to to get, take away from this, uh, uh, our conversation? Yeah, you know, a lot of small business owners today are are wondering, how do I find out, you know, what insurance company will meet my needs and where do I find out, you know, what's the best place to go when I want to buy insurance? And, you know, there's really two approaches for carriers. You can either go directly to an agent 
or what we're seeing out there is more and more carriers are selling uh, small business insurance available via the internet. So there's more options really to to shop around. You should, if you're not as familiar with insurance, an agent can provide you with expertise and can do some of the comparison shopping for you. If you're more internet savvy and you're more comfortable with going online, you can go directly to a carrier. But you should look at those different alternatives as you shop for insurance. The other thing is that's important, as we said, is be as accurate and forthcoming with information when you when you go look for insurance. So the other thing that can be an opportunity to the small business owner is look for associations and affinity groups. Different insurance carriers are looking to provide services to different kinds of businesses. So, you know, there's probably a carrier out there that likes to write plumbers or likes to write pizza parlors or likes to write oil rigs. Whatever your business, find the carrier because they can usually, because they understand your risk profile, because they can provide you the right products, and they can also, should you have a claim, provide the right services. So shop around, do your research, find the carrier that's looking out for you. The other thing that's finding we're finding, too, is that since most a lot of small businesses are home-based, certain multi-line carriers will provide carriers that write both homeowners and uh, commercial insurance, they provide you with discounts. So you may want to go right to the person that's writing your home insurance to see what kind of prices they may provide because that particular carrier may discount by you placing your both your homeowners and your commercial insurance with them. So I threw a, a bunch of stuff out there, Donald, but uh, those are things that I think small business owners might find useful and really are, you know, what the carriers out there and the agents are anxious to, to build their book of business. So they will be, they are looking to get more and more into that small business space and they're, they're welcoming uh, new business. And I think there's opportunities for the small business owner to make sure that they got the appropriate coverage and they can get that coverage at, at what is the most competitive price in the market. Uh, Ernie, what's your website that, that people can, uh, Learn more about uh, about it. It's LexisNexis, but what do you have a, a, a website of your own or uh, yeah, for your it's www. Yeah, it's www. and they can search on commercial insurance, and uh, they will they will go directly to the site where we uh, give information about the sites, uh, the products and services that we provide to the insurance industry. Um, uh, to segue to our next guest, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, I don't know if you can answer it, but uh, I always view insurance as kind of my backstop. I know that if my house uh, uh, burns down, I've got the insurance to re- uh, rebuild. How, how should a small business look at insurance? Yeah, a small business insurance should look at it in the same way that you've mentioned, but it's also... The, you know, I, when my when my business goes down, I have no way of of generating income. It's the backstop not only to get my business back, but to keep me whole and keep income coming in until I can become whole again. And the products and services that I provide and my stock and supply, that's what commercial insurance is there for, is to help cover that gap so they can back you can get back up and running. And you know that it protects not only you but the employees of your business from a workers' comp perspective. And the liability side, you know, should there be a slip and fall, 
or other injuries. So it's really covering more uh, the total aspects of what your operation does to get your business back and get you running so that you're back to where you were before the, the event, the, you know, the, the event that hit that was unexpected that put you in a bad spot. Well, you know, in today's uh, New York Post, there's a story of a woman who's uh, suing a restaurant because the, the waiter tripped and dropped uh, hot water on her, and she's yeah. now suing for a million dollars. That's something I just, um, you, you can't ever plan for, uh, and that's, that's right. what I think you should have insurance for. And there's no way that the individual business owner can have the wherewithal to address that issue, right? That's why the whole mechanism of insurance is in place, to help protect us against those events which are beyond our means to be able to deal with. Well, you know, um, being a small business owner is a 24-by-7 job, and having insurance is one way of kind of feeling a little bit uh, backstopped. Not too much, but a little bit. I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, Ernie Fire, thank you so much. He's Vice President and General Manager of Commercial Insurance at LexisNexis. Thank you so much for being with us. I learned a little bit more. I love this I program. I appreciate your time. I, learned, I, I talk to people like you and learn so much. Thank you. Our next guest is Tonya Hood. The reason I kept talking about uh, how this is Tonya, right? This is Tonya. Uh, how are you? I'm great. How about you? Well, I'm uh, I'm feeling very good. I I have good insurance. Uh, I don't know if it's the best insurance, but I have good insurance, <laughs> and I I run a business, and I know it uh, like many small businesses. Uh, it's a 24 by 7 world, and you're here to talk about work-life balance. Yes. And I, uh, and it's taken me many, many years to even get to the point where I'm comfortable with it. So I um, uh, I wish I'd run into you years ago. <laughs> but before we do, Tanya, as we ask every guest, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we talk about anything else. Okay. Well, my name is Tanya Hood, and I'm happy to be here tonight, Don. Um, I am responsible for the B2B Enterprise business with Office Depot. Um, and with the B2B Enterprise business, um, I work with large global companies as well as uh, I sell, work on selling the top selling products and categories. Um, I move the needle for the global portfolio and oversee the marketing of Office Depot's top and largest customers, uh, large customers that include uh, a small business aspect. Uh, in addition, I have been named the small business expert for the company, and I offer key insights, outreach, and collaboration for the small business community. Okay. Um, how long have you been with uh, Office Depot? I've been with Office Depot for five years. Ooh. And before that? And before that, I worked in um, other companies. I worked with, um, you know, brand name companies. I worked with 3M. I've worked with Coke. I've worked with Pepsi. Um, ah. I've started a couple of businesses of my own. <laughs> uh, uh, in short, another one, Renaissance Woman. Yes. I like that title. Uh, oh. Well, they used to say Renaissance Man, but now in this world, 
uh, when uh, we, we see a lot of Renaissance women. But how do now? How do we uh, learn to balance uh, our work life in in this twenty four seven world we're in? The floor is yours. Oh, well, we recognize here at Office Depot that you know, about 67% of SMBs find it challenging, at least sometimes, to take off from work. Um, and we value work-life balance. And with that, we understand that you know sometimes it's just really hard to disengage from their, the, the hard work of starting a business, maintaining a business, and growing a business. Um, if you think about it, it they work really, really hard. Uh, it's their purpose. Um, it's their passion, and, you know, it's really tied to their paychecks. So it's sometimes hard to disengage. But um, as we all understand that it's very, very important to make sure that you sometimes disconnect and take a vacation. Well, I'm, it's very difficult for me to take a vacation, as it is for a lot of other uh, small business owners. And I know we should. Why Why is that uh and how can people break the habit of being there all the time? Well, I think it's important that when you own a small business that you take a vacation during a time frame uh, that is important that you can continue to maintain your business. So sometimes taking a vacation during the summer can be important because your work-life balance it matches that of the, your schedule, your family, your personal schedule. Um we recognize, however, you know, at Office Depot that sometimes small businesses just cannot and they just can't. They feel like that it's just impossible to not be engaged in the business every day. So here are a couple of things that we think that we can offer, some tips and some tricks to, uh, you know, keep abreast of what's going on while you're away. Well, that requires a great deal of trust on your part it, that they can – and so that's that's one of the very important tips that we say is that I think it's very important that if you are going to um, take take some time off um, that you have uh, a point person, a person that you can trust at the business that can also run the business um, when you're not there. Uh, I think it's important to um, identify that point person, implement a plan, and then when you're with your family, set time to work. Um, in the mornings or afternoons, but make sure that you and your family can agree to what times you've agreed to work because they recognize as well, I mean, that that is your passion. And that work is well, very important. Very much so. It's a passion. My my wife has pictures of us go, throughout our travels, me on the telephone mm-hmm. back home. But um, uh, having said that, uh, when I leave, I, I tell my my staff that whatever decision they made, right, wrong, or indifferent, I will back them a hundred percent. But many staffers don't feel that. Do you believe you you have to give uh, an, uh, a mandate of that sort to to employees, or how would you handle it? I think that it, it's really at the discretion of the business owner to um, set aside who they think could handle the daily requirements. You know, we understand that every small business is unique and they all have personalized solutions for what works for their business. But we believe that helping to identify that person uh, to implement a plan again and 
set times uh, to, to manage that work-life balance. It's very important for the SMB. Well, I think it's important for the uh, for the SMB, but also for the uh, employee to perhaps uh, learn to make decisions and to. Yes. Uh, well, you know, um, someone asked me today for a list of uh, uh, traits that make for successful entrepreneurs, and one of the things that I, I put down uh, is the fact that you have to listen to your employees. And sometimes if you're 5,000 miles away and and they tell you something and you sit there freaked out, what do you do? Well, if you're sitting 5,000 miles away and, and they're freaked out, what do you do? I think there are a couple of things that you should, you know, Today's mobile technology will allow you to hopefully tap back into the business to see what exactly is going on. Um, I think you made a great point just now that the best thing we can do as small business owners uh, and the best thing we can do to support each other is to listen, to understand exactly what the problem is, state the problem, understand the problem, and offer some uh, solutions to solve that. Well, well, let's talk about Office Depot and okay. small uh, you, you're you're sitting on top of a vast amount of data. People, small businesses, go in and uh, talk to you every day. What do you see are the trends uh, for small businesses today? Well, we find some of the trends that you know. About 66% of them find it very very challenging to at least take some time off during the summer months. We've also found we've done an index, and we also found that about two thirds of uh, small business owners plan to take a vacation, but a large majority of those small business owners say they will stay connected at work in some sort of way. Um, so, but taking again, taking a vacation can be important to maintaining a successful business, a successful home life, um, and it also could improve work your work environment and office productivity. And I think as a small business owner, when you pick that point person to say, "Hey, you're going to be my person while I'm out of town." and I'm trusting you with my business, that that could be a benefit not only for the small business owner, but for the person that's um, been given that sort of autonomy. What are the, and trust. Of the other, trust is a big, a big thing. Yes. What are some of the other things you found from the survey? Well, a couple of other things that we found from the survey um, are that there are ways to stay engaged uh, and Everyone has a smartphone. Uh, we found that tapping in and using your smartphone is, is is a very good way to stay engaged with your business. Um, again, we, we encourage people to ba have that balance, but if you must connect back to the business, we have tablets, we have other opportunities for you to go back to, um, to that connection point um, that make it very important. I mean, there are not very many places today that you can't get a cell phone connection or a Wi-Fi connection should you need to re-engage. But again, managing that balance and wanting and encouraging people to take just take some time off for your family and for yourself. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. But, um, well, I'll ask you the question. Are okay. you able to disengage when you go on vacation? 
I am able to disengage when I'm going on vacation. Office Depot absolutely values um, work-life balance. And I'm going to just be honest with you. When I go on vacation, I don't check back in. Um, When I'm with my family and my children, that is the most important thing for me at that time. And I trust my team. I have a great team here at Office Depot that I trust. Um, I set a plan weeks prior to going on vacation or taking that time out. And I also talk to my partners, my business partners, and, and, and have a strong strategic partnership to say, for the next four or five days, I won't be available. And I think most people understand that. Well, uh, we hope they do. but uh, they yeah, know We of- hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> we hope they do. Uh, but you also want to make sure that your family enjoys their vacation. Yes, that family is very important. I, yes. I remember reading uh, uh, about a company in Minneapolis uh, at least twenty years ago that the first thing uh, on their uh, on their uh, list of of employee uh, their employee list is your family comes first. If you need time off, you have it. If it, if it involves your family, I've always uh, uh, admired that company. That's the very first thing they say in in, in their manual, and I found that uh, extraordinary. Yeah, at Office Depot, we also believe success starts with great relationships, and great relationships begin at home. Happy employees make happy family members, and um, you know we try to be more than just a business uh, provider. We want to be a partner in that. Uh, we have some unique tools and some new, unique opportunities for um, small business owners to understand more about what it is that they can do if they need to disconnect. I think that you know it's pretty obvious. So we're obvious though that we're in a connected society, and there are more ways than one to stay connected to your business. But um, that key point person is is critical to you being able to enjoy that time with your family. I couldn't agree with you more. I remember as a, a, a young child, my father closed his business on Thursdays, and we all went to the sh- to the Jersey Shore. Okay. Uh, uh, it, it's something I learned then, and uh, I hope other people will do as well. If they, Tony, if they wanted to talk to you or learn more about some of the things you talked about, how can they do it? Oh, thank you for the opportunity to let me know, let you know about that. We please visit Office Depot's Business Solutions Center at solutions with an S S O L U T I O N S dot Office Depot dot com. And you know, we again recognize that taking time off for the summer can be challenging, but we have a unique opportunity and some unique tips and tricks for again identify. You know, sometimes people want to know, well, how do I identify that person at work? We have some unique information on our website for additional tips and advice. Please visit the Solution Center, Office Depot Business Solution Center. Well, uh, I, before you came on this program, I did, and I was. Uh, very pleased with what I saw there. Very impressed by it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Again, we are trying to be more than just a provider. We want to be your partner. And we know that many um, there are many ways that uh, small businesses need to stay nimble and that, you know, they can live and die by the right resources. And we hope that we have uh, our finger on the pulse of what helps small businesses be successful. And because the more success they have, the more success we have. And this is a joint venture. Well, I have to tell you a story. Um, my okay. wife had a six-month assignment in Reno, Nevada. 
and I I was back and forth between my business and there to be with her. And uh, we came to depend on the Office Depot store in South uh, Nevada for an awful lot of uh, stuff. And the people there were outstanding in, in helping us, helping me stay connected and to uh, run this business uh, almost 3,000 miles away. It was a real experience. Well, that's uh, great to know. It, it really was. Uh, uh, I don't usually give plugs. Well, I I do. If I see good work, I uh, I uh, try to mention it because uh, uh, we always hear the complaints. We never hear the good good things. Uh, right. Well, and, I enjoy hearing those unique stories about Office Depot employees across the country um, and how they help small businesses maintain that competitive edge by remaining focused on our our partnership. Um, one of the key components of our success is being able to help personalize and, and help our help share the knowledge that we have on being a more personalized company and also helping in, in, in sharing our productivity efficiency models. Well, it, it was a real pleasure having you here tonight, and uh, we, we look forward to uh, having you on again. Uh, well, thank uh, with, you for the invite. I appreciate it. Well, I love that southern draw. I went to Georgia ah. Tech. <laughs> Yes, that's that's the Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was amongst the happiest days of my life. But uh, anyway, uh, Tanya, thanks so much for coming, and we look really look forward to uh, having you on again. All right, I appreciate that, and thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.